0: to the great food debate presented by this week community news a podcast about where to eat drink, or more in Columbus, Ohio. I'm Abby Armbruster, your host of this show, and we're on week two of our special summer series. Last week, we discussed barbecue and the basics of grilling, and now we're going to dive into camping. We brought in three guests to tell you what what to bring, where to go, and what to eat, so you're prepared for any camping adventures you may have this summer. Uh, panelists, if you could please tell me your name, what you do, and how you first got into camping, uh, then that way people can know you really are experts on this stuff.
1: Uh, I'm Scott Felton. I am a naturalist at Three Creeks Metro Park, and I got into camping, I think, from the time I was young. I loved it. And we go camping, mostly with my dad and some of his friends, and we go fishing at the same time. So since then, it really hasn't stopped at all.
0: (laughs) That's perfect. All right.
2: My name is Paul Comstock. I have a YouTube channel called Flat Broke Outside. It's about backpacking, mainly, with a heavy emphasis on the Appalachian Trail, where I have section hiked many times covering about 700 miles total. My channel has about 70 some odd videos. I've got about 11,000 subscribers. I've had about a million and a half views. I've been camping since I was 11 years old. Uh, I've done a great deal of backpacking and hiking since then. And uh, in the United States, in Canada, as far west as uh, Wyoming and uh, all up and down the Middle East Coast and Midwest.
0: <laughs> That's quite a resume. <laughs> All right, and our last panelist today. Hi,
3: my name's Sarah Soul. I'm a reporter here at This Week News. Um, I'm not a camping expert, but <laughs> but I do enjoy it. I didn't get into it until later. Like for some reason, we just never went when I was kids. But like, I realized that I like going when I started going to music festivals where camping oh, yeah. was an option. And um, aside from the music festival thing, I've gone to a Mohican. And uh and that was enjoyable. So um yeah, I don't I don't have a resume.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. Well thank you guys for introducing yourselves and thank you for being here. And uh let's start by by asking, where is your favorite spot to camp? Uh, Let's say in Central Ohio, but if you have somewhere outside of the area, that's fine, too. Uh, Scott, do you want to start us off?
1: Well, my favorite spot to camp is not in Ohio, but I do love Yellowstone National Park. Mm. I love going there. My wife and I go there. We've brought family members there. Um, So Yellowstone National Park and especially uh, the Jenny Lake Campground in Grand Teton because it's a tents-only campground. Okay. Uh, You can't reserve it. You have to get up at the crack of dawn from wherever you're staying, go there and drive around until somebody leaves the camp site but it's just a wonderful social place to camp but uh, quiet and a beautiful beautiful place
0: so you really have to fight for a spot
1: yeah and i'm (laughs) at a point now where we enjoy car camping i haven't backpacked for a number of years i used to a lot but now it's mostly car camping and i have two young grandchildren and just yesterday the five-year-old austin she said said, next summer when i come visit we're going camping so i can't wait
0: (laughs) so you have a year to plan
1: that's
2: right
0: (laughs) all right perfect paul where's your favorite place to camp
2: well The Appalachian Trail, obviously. But I will uh, endorse that remark about uh, the Tetons, Ginny Lake, and Yellowstone. I've been out there, I think, something like six times. And uh, usually I go with my daughter. Usually we camp at uh, Madison Campground, I think it's called. And uh, a very good place in Ohio is a backpacking loop at Zaleski down near Nelsonville, which uh, somebody could very easily spend an overnight trip there. They could park their car, walk in a few miles, camp overnight, walk back to the car in the morning. It would be a very good place for an introduction to backpacking. Or you could walk the entire thing and possibly spend uh, you know two nights doing that.
0: that's perfect all right and sarah where's your favorite place to camp so i
3: have been to mohican before and that was a lot of fun i have more of like a bucket list like in state i've been hiking around hawking hills and i really want to camp there um i've car camped only so far i've never backpacked although it's something i'd like to try um and um i've hiked around hawking hills and i've actually stayed at like like a little house there but i really would like to experience camping there as well um so in-state, that's kind of like my, my thing to try, hopefully, this summer.
0: Sure, sure. Perfect. And uh, for those who may not know, um, Paul, maybe you can describe for us, can you kind of describe car camping versus backpacking, if people are unfamiliar with those terms?
2: Well, car camping is, and I've certainly done a lot of car camping. Car camping is where you drive to a place, a venue, a campground, where you can park your car or RV or truck or whatever you have, And pitch a tent usually very close to your vehicle okay and most national parks and some state parks have that kind of camping available now the advantage to that of course is you're very close to your vehicle which means you can have close at hand all sorts of stuff like for example you know uh, portable gas stoves that do use Coleman fuel you can have with you a cooler full of ice for drinks if you're on a short car camping trip when it comes to dining you know the sky's the limit to what you can pull off you can bring <laughs> steak from home you can bring everything you can think of from home in some places there will be fire rings where you can obtain firewood build a fire and cook over the fire some places mm-hmm. don't allow that it depends on the location And uh, certainly, you know, using some kind of a portable stove is an option, if nothing else. And these places also usually have modern plumbing-equipped restrooms nearby, (laughs) oftentimes showers. And in some places, they will even have, you know, stores close at hand. Like, for example, the commercial KOA campgrounds are essentially places for car camping if you don't have an RV. And they always have a store.
0: And then backpacking would be what?
2: Backpacking is a whole different animal. You're walking (laughs) everywhere you go, and everything you have with you, you carry on your back. Mm -hmm. On the Appalachian Trail, I would say the pack weight for the average hiker would vary somewhere between 20 and 35 pounds. Okay. So you have to be very careful about what you take with you it helps to get started slowly in backpacking because it is a vocation a hobby in which we can encounter all manner of unsuspected surprises (laughs) so it's kind of best when those surprises happen to us in something of a fairly close to home low risk safe environment Mm -hmm. and it's a very strenuous activity because obviously you have to be carrying everywhere everything with you most people who are into it in a serious way are into hiking distance and by that i mean something along the order of 12 15 or more miles a day and the three main backpacking trails for that kind of thing in the united states are the appalachian trail which is in the eastern u.s runs north south the pacific crest trail that runs from the from the Canadian border to the Mexican border through Washington, Washington, Oregon, and California, and the Continental Divide Trail, which begins in New Mexico and ends up in the vicinity of Montana
0: perfect
1: um, I'd like to add that there's a lot of options for backpacking around whether it's like you're talking about the Zaleski trail for an overnight option but mm-hmm. much shorter things and I used to do a lot of really long backpacking trips um, you know in terms of you know 15 mile days here and there and back back 20 and 25 years ago it was harder to go as light as you can right now the mm. equipment just wasn't where it is oh. um, but I also found that I started enjoying getting up really early getting going getting where I needed to be in three or four hours and just calling it a day and then going day hiking, exploring from there too. Hmm. So that's a really good way to do things too. You might only go four or five miles, but you know you get to relax a little bit more that way too.
3: That mm-hmm. sounds like more doable for me. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and you
1: know, one of the things too about backpacking, you do have. You, I think you have to plan your food much more efficiently uh, mm-hmm. than you do when you're car
2: camping because you have to have weight, you have to have calories, all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. He makes an excellent point in that some people who aspire to take those great big long backpacking trips, decide very quickly, they really don't care for it.
0: <laughs> well, and, and let's get into the food. I mean, we mentioned that a little bit already. Uh, but typically if you're let's say if you're backpacking, uh, Scott, as you mentioned, you have to be really select on what you're grabbing. So I mean, how do you how do you even go about deciding what the heck I'm gonna pack?
1: Well it depends how long you're gonna be gone. Okay, so if it's just one or two nights, you can pack just about anything as long as it's not outrageously heavy. It depends if you want to cook. There are times when you go out for a night or two, you just decide, I'm not cooking. Everything is eaten dry. You just add water, eat it cold, hard-boiled eggs, Mm -hmm. salami, Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. That'll do, but if you have to do that for multiple days, you get really, really tired of it. Yeah. Um, I always recommend that people take stuff that's quick cooking, um, uh, like couscous, things like that, that you can literally boil the water, put it in, you can turn off your stove, Mm -hmm. okay, and you add whatever pasta sauce cheese uh, little tricks like adding your cheese at the very end or even on your plate so it doesn't get stuck to the pot and you have to clean it
3: Yes,
1: (laughs) things along those lines.
3: So those like instant things would work well too then right?
1: They can uh, they're expensive and they tend Mm -hmm. on a long trip or in cold weather they tend uh, not to have as many calories as you might need a lot of the freeze dried food at least on a per serving basis Mm -hmm. you know if you look at it you might say okay this it says it has two servings but it's got a total of a thousand calories and I'm using 2,500 or 3,000 calories a day. Okay. Um, so, so maybe
0: a bad
3: choice.
1: So maybe, <laughs> so, so maybe the two serving one is one serving for you. Yeah. I know it would be for me. Mm.
0: Well, and then for car camping, uh, I mean, are you bringing a cooler so that if you catch something, if you're fishing or something and, you know, you're cooking something based on that, or or how would you go about uh, putting together food for a, a car camping trip? Scott or Paul?
1: Yep. Um, First of all, I'd say getting a good cooler is, is something that everybody who wants to camp in a car should do. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there are a lot of options out there uh, these days. I, you know, I somehow I refuse to spend $300 for a cooler, um, <laughs> but there are some good options. You know, you do need to buy ice from time to time. Uh, some things, if you freeze them ahead of time and put them in there so they'll fall over a day or two and don't go bad like that, mm-hmm. depends on how close groceries are and how expensive they're going to be where you're staying. If you're staying in a lot of more of the isolated national parks, if you want to buy groceries there, it tends to be really expensive because it costs them a lot of money to bring the, the groceries in. Mm. So it's worth your while to plan your menu out uh, and bring that in and but, not have to resupply yourself all the time.
0: That's a great point. And one
1: of the neat things my wife and I have figured out, we can go on a long vacation, car camping, much longer than if we're staying in hotels and eating out all the time. Huh. Uh, because it's a lot cheaper.
0: Yeah. That's a great point.
2: I think I would agree with just about everything he said. (laughs) One thing that I found is uh, sometimes helpful for the coolers to take something like water bottles or soda bottles, fill them up with water, freeze them at home, put them in your cooler. Oftentimes, if you buy bag ice, you're going to end up with a lot of water running Mm, everywhere. And having something frozen like that will cut down on the melted water. Also, it tends to stay frozen a little longer i think than um you know just bag dice it's uh it can be a real adventure even car camping buying stuff on the road figuring out how you're going to do it it's i would recommend to anyone when you get into this kind of thing for the first time be open-minded do not cling to your expectations too tightly camping cooking when camping, backpacking, ca- backpacking, all these things are supposed to be adventures. That's right. And an inherent uh, quality of the definition of adventure is we cannot control events. Mm-hmm. And that is why, among many other reasons, so many of us who do it so avidly are so in love with it because <laughs> it, it is a different kind of experience.
0: Mm-hmm. And Sarah, what do you typically like to bring with you when
3: you're camping? So I, I'm a vegetarian, so it's sometimes I feel like it's challenging for me to, to figure out what to do. I feel like, well, again, recall that I, I have car camped, right? <laughs> so, um, so when I'm car camping, right, I feel like I usually, like... A couple times I've I've brought like a bunch of dry things, hmm. but it's it's cool. But then you gotta get like tired. You're like, what? I'm having Cheez-Its again. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> or I'll put like string cheese in with the cooler, like fruit. Somebody brought cherries when we went to Nelsonville Music Festival um, uh, last month, and that was nice, like cherries and oranges and stuff. So oh, that was yeah. good. Um, the other thing that's cool is like if you have access to a fire ring, then you can bring pie irons. Yeah, and just, and then you it's like. Uh, you can have like bring like cheese and if you're not a vegetarian like pepperoni and then as, as long as you have bread then you can make like little like pizzas right yeah or and pizza sauce of course and and uh then if you bring like uh like canned fruit filling like pie filling like like uh apple cherry etc then you can have like pie right yeah so yeah. that's that's kind of cool the pie irons are fun
0: that was always a favorite thing whenever we uh, when I went to summer camp and we would do like a day out in, in tents and that was always the thing we did was pie irons and that was so fun. Well, what am I missing here? We
3: got like <laughs> the pizza, we got the pie, like what, what yeah, else you do? Yeah, is there anything do you do? else
0: you can do with a pie iron? Paul's laughing at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's suggestions?
2: One of the things, if you want to get real rustic, one of the things that backpackers in the mid to early 20th century would do is they would carry a skillet at that time you were virtually allowed to build campfires almost everywhere which (laughs) is a very good point these days that's not quite the case (laughs) right uh it if we're going to go on a trip into any kind of wilderness area we need to do a little homework in advance and find out where fires are legal because in many places they are not Mm. even along the up and down the appalachian trail in many places you cannot build campfires but if you can what the what the old timers would do is they would make a thing called bannock which is very a uh, rudimentary kind of a dish it consists of basically three things flour baking soda and salt and you stir that up and you essentially fry it if you have a grease, a grease pan <laughs> with one of your pizza making devices <laughs> if, if one can avoid losing the batter you could certainly cook Bannock with one of those.
0: What does that taste like? Does it taste like fried dough? It it tastes like
2: bread, in essence. Mm -hmm. And it depends, it would depend how exactly it would taste will depend a great deal on the flour you use. If you use nothing but white flour, it would be a taste that's very familiar to everyone. Mm -hmm. And uh, the baking soda, you you know, actually gives it leavening, which is, you know, makes it makes you believe you're eating bread and not some horrible dry crackers. <laughs> yeah, like hard tack that the sailors yeah, used to take exactly, <laughs> out. I feel exactly. like
3: I've heard of the term panic before, but I didn't know what it was. Hmm.
2: Ham bread is another thing that oh, used to yeah. call it. Oh, okay. at the time. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was a big thing, too. especially, I think still even occasionally
1: with people like canoeing in the boundary waters, when you could take that heavy equipment with you. Um, now one thing my wife and I often do is we do have a big old heavy cast iron Dutch oven, which you know weighs more than the back (laughs) So it only goes car camping, but, you know, we'll make biscuits sometimes and Mm. chocolate cake and cobbler, all those things at the campsite. And that's really enjoyable. Uh, It's also fun if you've got kids with you to kind of, it's a little different than if you have, you know, if you have kids, it's different than if you are just, you know, a couple of adults there. with What you can cook and what they want to (laughs) eat. Um, all those things. So sometimes just good old hot dogs are the way to go.
0: Yes, hot dogs and s'mores. <laughs> yeah. And when you're car camping, or I guess I most common campsites. Is it a, a grill that you just have to put in charcoal, or is it a fire that you have to build, or what do you typically see there, Scott?
1: Well, there's a, there's a couple things. We usually bring a propane two-burner Coleman stove, because okay. you can control the fire, you can control the heat a lot mm-hmm. better. Uh, last fall, my wife and I were camping in Shenandoah National Park in Virginia, just when the remnants of whatever hurricane it was came through hmm. uh, one night, you know, with 40-mile-an-hour winds for 12 hours and sideways rain and stuff, and you could get up after it stopped and at least make a meal. If you were trying to light a fire, it would have been much more of a mm. challenge to do that. Um, that said, we do enjoy cooking over the fire certain things like steaks and all that, but a lot of campsites don't have a, it may be a fire pit, but it doesn't have a good grill. Mm-hmm. So the, the camp stove is is I think the way to go for most people to have some
2: control over things unless they're just grilling or toasting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most car camping, campgrounds where you would find a fire ring, you're, probably going to have to buy firewood okay you know i know with the campgrounds at yellowstone for example they sell it they don't want you gathering up firewood in the woods <laughs> and throw it in your car and taking back to the campsite certainly at some state parks that might be an option if there's enough loose stuff laying around but usually you're gonna you're gonna have to end up buying it and most of the time you'll see a fire a fire ring will generally be what looks like a cross section of a steel drum right on the ground
0: yes Mm -hmm. and it
2: won't be the elevated kind of uh, charcoal thing you might see at high banks metro park for example (laughs) and uh, oftentimes those fire rings will have no grill at all or they'll have just a grill that covers a portion Mm. of the top of that ring so it's a it can be a, a rustic adventure of if you use one of those. And what uh, he said about rain is an absolute factor. Trying to build a fire if it's been raining for two or three days, under most. Conditions is going to be mighty tough. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, uh, one thing about uh, the firewood that you're using too is a lot of parks now restrict what you can bring in for wood. You either oh. have to buy it locally or something like that, and even some cases USDA approved. Whether it's kiln drive. and this is to prevent the to help prevent the spread of invasive insects that can kill the trees. Wow. Um, so I don't recommend you gathering your firewood here in Ohio <laughs> and going to another state or somewhere else with that because you do run the risk of spreading some sort of uh, of insect pest. Hmm. Um, So I would, and plus firewood takes up a lot of space when you're hauling it.
3: Wow. I never would have even thought of that.
2: Excellent point.
3: So on a, this is, this really is not a practical thing at all, but I was uh, at a family camp out and um, my mom got these like, They're like little treated pine cone things. Have you guys seen those? They're in a little bag, and you put them on a fire, and they turn the fire a really cool color. (laughs) It's no practical use whatsoever, but it was really super cool. It was like blue flame for a little while.
0: So that was the only advantage, yeah. Right. That's hilarious. You know, I thought
3: it was super relevant in a food podcast. They might help you
1: start a fire too. Yeah, Yeah. 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 there
3: you go.
2: Or toast a very small marshmallow over them. (laughs) If the the food's terrible, you can always light one of those. Yeah. And it seems like food virtually always really is better
1: when you're camping
0: Mm -hmm. it's true Um, well i was just going to ask what's your favorite dish to make scott
1: oh my favorite dish to make when i'm camping is sometimes it's gumbo Oh! You know, with sausage. Yeah. We don't bring shrimp for that, but uh, when you're camping like that. But gumbo is something I really enjoy making. Uh, when my wife bakes the biscuits, I do like to make sausage gravy, too.
0: Oh, man. I need to go camping with you guys. That yeah. sounds amazing. I was going to say, I'd like to... I'll just invite myself. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah,
3: what do you typically like to make? Okay, so we're going to keep this really, like, low-key. Low Simple, yeah. Because I don't cook in real life, you know? like so <laughs> it's like, no different. So camping is imitating real life. So it's, I'd stick to, like, the pie art and or or i'll do like uh well for me it's like the veggie hot dogs oh and yeah so you know it's like super simple if i want a good meal then i strategically think about who i'm going camping with right
0: so like and they, scott's
2: the <laughs> answer now
0: they can cook with me
2: Hi, i could vegetarian gumbo. <laughs>
3: <Yes>.
0: <laughs> i'm there <laughs> all right and paul what's your favorite thing to make
2: well this is a difficult question because if i'm camping close to home i'll usually take a pan build a fire I eat a whole bunch of greasy stuff I would never dream <laughs> eating regularly at and it home. it tastes so good. <laughs> <laughs> on the other hand, on the Appalachian Trail, if we're trying to hike for distance, uh, like Scott said, it is a challenge getting enough calories in you. You're also underdressed, in a way of manner of speaking, because of all the physical activity that's going on mm-hmm. you're suffering through bad weather because whatever the weather, whatever the weather might be you're out in it and this uh, leads to uh, many times hikers on trails like that doing whatever they can to keep going mm-hmm. and food wise things can get a little grim from time to time <laughs> and uh, the uh, one of the things that has become Increasingly popular in recent years on trails like that is not cooking at all, called stoveless. The idea being it will save time. You know, you don't have to stop and prepare a meal. You can eat spontaneously whenever you feel like it. What Which, if
3: you're a vegetarian, though? That's, that, that's, not, a,
0: that's that, not an option. Not an option.
3: <laughs> there,
2: there have been a couple of people I can remember announcing they were going to hike all of the Appalachian Trail to demonstrate that it could be done in a vegan way.
3: Whoa. Oh, that's a step up. Yeah, <laughs> I
2: don't recall seeing, uh, you know, any announcements of their victorious completion of the trail. <laughs> Although they, peanut butter has a lot of calories. <laughs> in yeah, it. That's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, peanut butter is outstanding when it comes to calories per ounce and mm-hmm. grams of protein per ounce. Peanut butter is just I would invite anyone to go to the store, look at the nutrition labels on your favorite foods, do the math, mm-hmm. you know, the calories per ounce, nothing on the planet tops a peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. and, and by the way, when you are camping, forget certain things.
1: For example, when you are camping, a serving of bacon is at least six slices. Mm. Okay, it's not two or three, it's at least six. <laughs> okay, you, you do need to remember that.
0: That's right. <laughs> and so if you are a first-time camper and you've never done it before, what what type of equipment do you need to to cook a good meal or, you know, you're thrown out to the to the wilderness so what do you need? <laughs>
1: I would get a camp stove and they're not that expensive. And if you take care of it, it will last you decades potentially. And you can bring your cooking equipment from home. If you're car camping, Mm. I think that's perfectly fine. That's what we do. We have a few pots and pans in, in crates that we keep just so we can unload them and use those for, for car camping. But we still usually will bring one or two things from home. The other thing I'd always recommend is keeping a good sharp knife for cutting things up and, you know, a good kitchen knife, you know, one of those plastic sheaths and a cutting board.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. That's great. And I know, Paul, you were nodding along, so you agree?
2: (laughs) Yeah, another thing that uh, is a consideration is uh, kitchen cleanup, so to speak, in the outdoors. Uh, uh, What I do on the AT is I use one pot for everything. That's it. And uh, if I can't fix it or eat out of the pot, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and I bought a, several very small, thin nylon scrapers I found on Amazon. Hmm. So what I do is I eat whatever's in the pot with my spoon. I eat the remainder of that with that scraper. This, of course, requires a pot big enough to conveniently put your hand into. <laughs> and then that, once that has taken place... The pot is 99% clean. What I next do is put in a few ounces of water, do a little scraping with the scraper, drink the water. Bang, done. It's uh, it's generally frowned on, especially in a wilderness environment where water sources are scarce and sensitive, to use you know real detergents. Mm. So you want so you need to think of a way to you know to avoid that if possible. Mm-hmm. Now some people will sink so low that they don't really give their pot the kind of thorough cleaning you would at home. I don't recommend that because we can do things to take care of it. Now, when it comes to commercial campgrounds and semi-commercial campgrounds, for example, the KOAs, the national parks, the state parks that have nearby a restroom or a shower room with plumbing, mm-hmm. oftentimes they will have a designated room with a sink in it where you can wash your stuff, oh. and there you could use you know, detergent. Now, what I have done many times uh, when, when I've been close to home and have wanted to go out for uh, an overnighter is I just take a mess kit take it home dirty and deal with it there. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, another Paul brought up, you know, the the kind of the commercial, the the wash areas there. And that's important in a lot of, you know, state parks in a lot of places and national parks, uh, especially in wilder areas, is there is wildlife that is attracted to food. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's raccoons, whether it's bears, possums, even deer, things like that. So every place has its own regulations for disposing of food. In some places, you don't even get in the habit of throwing any dishwater out near your campsite because there can
2: be food residue in it oh wow um, so it's really important to follow those recommendations and it's certainly true that while most of the time bears are just black bears that's is, is what you're going to see in 99 percent of the lower 48 most of the time black bears are just big goofy fluffy babies <laughs> it's but true. when they get a notion To go after human food, they can be a real pain in the neck. And there have been places along the AT, for example, wooden shelters that people can sleep in along the trail, which is just a very rudimentary kind of cabin, completely open on one side. There have been times when those locations have been shut down for weeks at a time because a problem bear keeps showing up and they can't get him... To stop showing up. Wow. So, yes, that's a very good point, and it is a serious issue in many areas.
0: Oh, and uh, let's talk about hammocks for a little bit uh, has anybody ever used a hammock over a tent Sarah? You know I haven't but it's interesting you say that because um, I have
3: friends that I, I camped with at uh, Bonnaroo and this um, this weekend they're going I think to a festival called Electric Forest in Michigan and um, they were posting on Facebook about how they they were they decided to abandon their, their regular tent for, for um, hammocks and I Wow, I hadn't, I didn't know that was an
0: option, so it made me curious. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a bold choice, but I know people who love it. I've never tried it.
1: Uh, I've, I've seen it done, and I have no, it has no appeal whatsoever to me <laughs> because I like to move around, and I have a nice thick therm rest pad mm-hmm. that is is comfy and insulates from, you know, it's insulated on the bottom. I can sleep on my side, on my back, and in a hammock. I'm not sure I could do that quite so well. <laughs>
3: I feel like I think I I if I was younger,
1: maybe it would work just fine, but right yeah. now, you know, I already wake up with aches and pains. <laughs>
3: I would get motion sick.
0: I think. Oh yeah,
3: you know, like I know it sounds a little silly, but like I feel like if if I'm shifting and stuff, it just—I don't think it would be good.
0: (laughs) Paul, have you ever ventured on a hammock?
2: I have not because I've been doing it so long in a tent. I'm just set in my ways. But I can tell you, they are a quite popular choice on those very long trails, particularly the Appalachian Trail in the east, because so much of the Appalachian Trail is very hilly. Mm. You know, it can be quite, it can take some looking around to find a flat camp spot if you're not near a designated site. A hammock, of course, can be set up between two trees on slanted ground. Mm. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are many different kinds of hammocks, many different kinds of options. I would suggest that anybody interested in it uh, get started at home testing things slowly, because some of the gear is heavy, some of it's not, some of it's expensive, some of it isn't. Uh, some people try hammocks and decide they don't like them. Uh, it, but, they, but the hammock does have devo- devoted adherence, particularly in those wilderness areas. And of course, it takes a big tarp to cover the thing up because you want to be ready like scott said when that wind comes in for 12 hours blowing sideways that's going to happen out there if you're out there in a wild enough place for enough time well
0: see i was not even thinking about needing a tarp on top of that because i figured the allure of a hammock would be easier you know tear down and and putting it up is that not the case
2: well certainly out west the problem out west is in many backpacking areas is there aren't enough trees easily, mm, no. and in the east it rains. <laughs> and if there's one thing I've always said, personally, I always prepare for the most ghastly weather that could possibly happen because usually it will. <laughs> that means we have to be prepared for rain. Mm-hmm. Anytime I, I I know people who are so demoralized and so depressed and so discouraged when a weekend comes along with a chance of rain, and I understand that. But if you're into it deep enough and you feel like you're sort of hardcore enough, you won't, you won't be dissuaded by rain, and you have to be prepared. If you go out there, you have to be prepared for unexpected rain.
0: Mm-hmm. And I know we already talked about food, but let's get back into it. Uh, Scott, you mentioned cobbler. Is there any better dessert that you make over a campfire other than s'mores?
1: Uh, probably not.
0: <laughs> s'mores would be your favorite? I
1: do like s'mores a lot, but I, you know, I only limit myself to one or two or 20. I don't know. You, you uh, need
0: to have two at a time. Yes, yes, that's right.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: Sarah, is there any better dessert? Well, you mentioned pie in the pie. I mean, iron. we're going to, once again,
3: I don't cook, so it's got to, it's, I'm, I am a s'more uh, proponent. The, it's cool, though, because the last time on, uh, I was camping I I bought those like giant marshmallows. Yeah. And it's cool but that and also it's kinda of hilarious because it is like probably maybe the ratio of marshmallow to the rest is just, like, out of control. Yeah. yeah. yeah and,
1: you know, it just reminded me of a story. A few years ago, my wife and I were camping in Alaska, and there was a German family near us. And they had kids maybe 10 and 13, something like that. And several of us were gathered around the fire, and they'd never had s'mores before. Oh. And the look of delight on their faces is something that I still remember. You oh, know? my
0: gosh. Oh, that's fun. Paul, what's your favorite dessert to make?
2: Yeah, I, this is horrible I to say, I suppose, but I really never want dessert. Really? No. Oh, my gosh. In fact, I... Cut his mic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When I've been on the Appalachian Trail, there are certain things that I would eat at home that I cannot bear to look at. And one of them, believe it or not, you're going to hate me, is chocolate. I cannot put that in my mouth on the Appalachian Trail.
0: Really? I
2: cannot stand to look at it that's because of the level of activity Mm. physical activity you're involved in it's a very different kind of environment when you do that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and uh i certainly agree with the s'more thing the cobbler thing is a great idea if somebody does have the ability to carry around a dutch oven and has the patience to work with it and can build a fire the sky's the limit on what (laughs) you can cook in one of those
0: And uh, I actually just saw within the last week someone... Made us some more, but they swapped out the marshmallow for cheese, and made people try it. And I thought, I don't know. I, I on would try
1: it. Cheese and chocolate. Yes. Yeah, on, that's on, wrong. Oh,
0: on I like, one I hand, someone mentioned that it tastes kind of like a crepe, so at least I could sort of get that. But I would rather have a marshmallow version. I mean, also cheese. you could do like cream cheese. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay.
3: C- cream cheese. I. Yeah, would, or, this yeah, was a like, triple
1: cream. You know, a really, you could, a really, yeah, good cre- a really, really do
3: that. Oh, also, you could like. Take apart an Oreo and just do, like, an Oreo instead of a graham cracker. That sounds good. We had, gosh, I think it was, I forget, Lucky's. Lucky's sells, like, Numen O's, which is basically, like, <laughs> they're, like, mint Oreos. So I was really excited about it. And last year, the Nelsonville, I I don't know who came up with it. They're like, let's take apart this and substitute. And it was amazing.
0: That's a genius idea. Yeah, I, It was a, a high point in my life okay, so so let's say what is the biggest mistake you can make when you're camping Paul do you have any immediate ideas
2: lots <laughs> there's, it's, there's almost no end of the things that can go wrong <laughs> uh, the best thing I would my advice is try to be prepared you know for the weather mm-hmm. Pro- this is going to be difficult for beginners because buying camping gear and buying backpacking gear in my opinion is one of the most horrible ordeals we could subject ourselves to i mean i've been doing this forever i bought all kinds of stuff picking gear for me is always even after all this experience is is a nightmare don't it's so easy for us to, to look at advertisements for outdoor gear mm-hmm. and think, "Oh wow, you know that'll just that would be such a great thing." But the reality is, that stuff by itself is designed and constructed to appeal to the average person, mm-hmm. and the average person might really not know what they're getting themselves into. <laughs> what this, the, the bottom line is, that stuff can fail under certain conditions.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, we have to be, it helps to keep in your back of mind, you know, that that there could be problems. Now, if you're car camping, you can just retreat to the vehicle. Mm -hmm. Sure. Which is certainly a a good way to handle things. Uh, We need to think about the weather. If it's going to be cold, you, you know, what can happen is, in the middle of summer, when it is 90 degrees and humid, Unbelievably bad at sea level. If you go into, for example, the Shenandoah National Park, and you camp at, for example, Lewis Mountain Campground, which is something about maybe six thousand, no, about four thousand feet up, it can drop to below. 50 degrees at night up there while it's at the same time potentially while it's sweltering down at sea level Mm. so you always have to no matter what the weather is you always you know if you're going to go to any any place where there's elevation you have to be prepared for it to be a little cool and uh and and learn from what you're doing the question can be asked can any of us get involved in this kind of activity And be so thoroughly prepared in advance before we go out that we will master everything. It's not going to happen. We have to be prepared to deal with that education experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we keep that in mind and keep a good sense of humor, because nothing will help us better than a good sense of humor, then we can learn to love it, I think. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, th- I think one thing about equipment that bears in mind is, first of all, you can rent equipment. Oh. Okay, and give that a try. I did not Many know Many people that. you know somebody, you know, say, can I borrow your this and that? And you want to be prepared. You don't necessarily want to be over-prepared. Somebody buys a four-season expedition tent for their one-night <laughs> trip in July <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: no. uh, to Lake Hope State Park. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just not needed. And, you know, with sleeping bags, the same thing. They buy the sleeping bag that's good to 20 below zero. You're going to be sleeping out on a 65-degree Green night and it's going to be unbearable. You're not even going to be able to use it. <laughs> These are true stories that people do that, that they buy, they overbuy, mm-hmm. um, and the reality is most people aren't going to need that. So you want to be prepared, but you don't want to spend an arm and a leg for something you're not going to use very much, and that's where renting can uh, play a big role in it. Mm,
0: that's a great, great um, tip.
1: And I would say it is, uh, there's, you know, there's, and I must admit, when I was younger, I was a gearhead, um, sure. you know, and there wasn't as much available as there is now, but still, you know, it's the, the bright, shiny new thing. Ooh, that'll make it more fun. That'll yes. make it better. Did it? Eh, maybe not. I mean, I will say good quality camping stoves for backpacking made a world of difference Mm. you know very lightweight ones things like that a good sleeping pad good sleeping bags all of those things um and i remember being a kid and camping in canvas tents and let me tell you if you've camped in canvas tents before for more than a few days you really would rather not do that again (laughs) Um,
2: especially with rain can you suggest any local venues where camping gear can be rented
0: i was gonna ask the same thing you know
1: i right now i i don't know if rei does it or not if they Mm. if they rent stuff it's It's a good question. I know students can rent it like at OSU and things like that. I imagine faculty, stuff like that. And I don't know with the advent of Craigslist if you can find stuff really cheap Mm. now. My guess is there's a lot of stuff available out there.
2: It's a great question, but I don't know the answer to it.
0: Yeah, our Twitter uh, people can tweet at us and let us know. One thing I
2: must I, I would be Negligent if I didn't mention this, there are many outstanding channels on YouTube, mm-hmm. including Yours, own, yours
0: included? Including mine,
2: <laughs> that cover the outdoors in every possible way you can imagine. Mm-hmm. You can find channels that go into great depth about RV camping, about backpacking, about canoeing, about using hammocks. And if you have the time to watch these kinds of things, you can often see firsthand somebody using their camera, taping themselves using this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it can... Help one get a more clear idea or at least a beginning, a, pl- a starting point on what kinds of things they might want to take when they get into any kind of sort of certain outdoor activity.
1: And I've even found YouTube videos of somebody touring an entire campground in a national park where they have every site on it.
0: Wow. And you
1: know, that's kind of neat when if you're reserving a site. And I strongly recommend reserving campsites in our busier parks, especially for weekends and at the busy times of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can see, man, that doesn't look like a very good site right there you know on the map looks fine but uh you know it's right next to the bathroom or it's you know it's just it's at the bottom of a hill where water's going to run off those sort of mm. sort of things so uh that's really helpful
0: That's a great, uh, great tip. And Sarah, any other biggest mistakes you can you can make or to avoid? Yeah, I was just thinking about
3: like things I've not I've forgotten. Mm -hmm. Like when I uh, when I was at the music festival in Nelsonville um, last month, I was like, oh, like, I don't need my sleeping pad. It's fine. And that was uncomfortable. So, and I didn't even think I had that good of a sleeping pad. Like it was basically like a glorified yoga mat. But like even without it, like it, it was kind of cumbersome. And mm-hmm. in the past too, like I I run cold. I get cold really easily. So there have been times where I I don't think I had as good of a sleeping bag as I do now, or it had been colder than I thought. Mm-hmm. And I, I when I'm cold and I. I'm trying to sleep like I can't so, yes I'm so I would way. say not bringing enough blankets is a big one
0: <laughs> definitely and uh we'll we'll finish up with one last question uh where is the best place to camp within driving distance or uh, of of here of central Ohio Scott
1: um, I do like Lake Hope State Park, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I've hiked that area that Paul talked about in Zaleski. I've never camped there, mm. uh, but Lake Hope. I will say one thing that that's that's tough to find in Ohio. In the state parks, are tent camping sites that aren't really close together. Mm. Um, there's a uh, so sometimes it's nice to go in the off season, like we've camped down at Baroque State Park on weekdays in April, early May, and nobody else is there. So you have the whole you know that whole area to yourself, and that's really nice.
3: I'm mm. Sarah, I was thinking, um, I've been ca- at like visiting a cabin at Salt Fork mm. a couple times. And I'm actually, I'm really curious like what their camping situation like. Because
2: that's a really cool park and it's huge. That's a great so, suggestion.
3: Have you guys been there camping or no? I haven't. No. Paul, no. no?
2: My advice is camp at a place close to home. Get started. No excuses. Get out there and do it. <laughs> There are. You can camp, for example, at Alam Creek State Park, State Park in Delaware County, Which or I up have near done. Delaware Lake. You can do it there. There are. There are. Uh, I would be surprised if there's a county in Ohio where there's not at least one place you can do that.
1: Um, I would add that Side Grove Metro Park, which is down by uh, Grove City, they have kind of what we call an urban or suburban backpacking trail along the river there, and every other weekend uh, they open it up. You have to reserve it. There's only a limited number of spots. They're pretty, you know, they're, they're easy access, so they're great if you've never done it before or if mm-hmm. you have kids and you just want to go in a short distance.
3: I've walked that path. I have haven't camped it, but I I went like just hiking around. It's it's pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: so that's a that that would be a great introductory backpacking sort of thing for somebody. Like I said, especially with younger kids who's never done it before. Mm-hmm. You know, you if you really need to, you can walk to a bathroom from there. It might take you a little time to get there, but it'd be a good. It's a good kind of a a shakedown situation, so you can yes. get an idea how to use your equipment. That's a great like.
0: suggestion. Yeah, perfect. Well, uh, can you guys uh, tell us? Where people can find more about you or your work, Scott?
1: Um, You can go to metroparks.net to find out about uh, Metro Parks and all of the parks and all of the programs. And uh, we invite you to come to some of our many programs that we have at virtually
2: all the Metro Parks.
0: And they run in almost every paper every week. That's right. So you can find them there. Paul, where can people find out more about you?
2: Just go to YouTube and do a search for flat, broke, like you don't have any money, outside. Flat, broke, outside, all one word, and you'll go straight to my channel.
0: Perfect. And Sarah, where can people find more about you? Oh, this question is not applicable <laughs> <laughs> What papers do you write for?
3: Dublin and New Albany.
0: All right, you this can find her work there. Com. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Well, as always, we want to hear from you. Did we forget any any great tips or did we miss your favorite camping spot? Uh, tweet at us at thisweeknews.com or send us an email at online at thisweeknews.com. And uh, thank you guys so much for joining me and be sure to subscribe to our Podcast through iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or you can hear every episode on our website, thisweeknews.com. This is Abby Armbruster signing off. Stay hungry.